Why do you linger here when there is no hope? There is still hope. Tempted to think there's no hope for overcoming some of the challenges of modern life? Ask an elf. Or a hobbit. Tune in Tuesdays, 4 to 5 p.m. with Milo Lomesdown at your service and... Tani Tenuvial, the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. For What Would Arwen Do? on KUCI Irvine, 88.9 FM and streaming live on KUCI.org. The views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KUCI its management, or the UC Board of Regents. For more information on this or other KUCI programs, visit KUCI.org or KUCITalk.org. to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. I am Tani Tenuviel, Sui Light, and greetings to all my elf friends. I am the resident KUCI Middle Earth elf. Welcome to What Would Arwen Do's every Tuesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. And Michael Vannin, to everyone listening live and here in Orange County, and to my charming Hobbit co-host. Milo Longsdown at your surface, Elf Princess. <laughs> and welcome to all the people listening live at 88.9 Frequency Modulation here in Orange County, California, a beautiful version of Middle Earth, as well as to people that are listening at KUCI.org, where we podcast and telecast and everything. We have KUCITalk.org for the podcasts. KUCI.org is live, streaming on the internet 24 by 7. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And in case uh, you are tuning in for the first time also, um, this is starting next week. Milo, my friend, begins a new quarter of programming here at KUCI. Well, I know it's a new quarter because we just made our way through thousands of graduating seniors here <laughs> on campus. Yes, so in uh, case you're tuning in, not, not this week, but starting next uh, Monday at midnight, uh, Sunday night at midnight, um, there will be some changes to the program, and that, you know, just again to re-announce our, um, the fact that we will be on weekly now for the summer instead of every other week, which I love doing Phenomenal Woman. It's one of my favorite shows, but um, I need to take a little break from doing two shows for the summer, and plus there's just so many wonderful things going on uh, relating to Middle Earth that it's really, I think we just need to be meeting weekly. <laughs> and, and we are glad to. And if you'd like to see the fabulous schedule for the rest of KUCI, please go to your web browser next Monday morning at KUCI.org and click on Schedule, and you'll find our new summer schedule with many exciting programs. And also, just uh, one of the things I'd like to mention is that in case people tune in looking for a particular program, every quarter, sometimes things get moved around a little bit here. There may be some students that will be going home for the summer, and then from our last graduating class, there will probably be some new programs. So in case you tune in and you don't find the show of your heart, <laughs> then take a look at the schedule and um, see if maybe it's gotten moved to someplace else. A, a good recommendation. But what if people are turning into this program for the first time? Well, 
if they are tuning in for the first time, if you are tuning in for the first time, you may be wondering what this show, What Would Arwen Do?, is all about. Well, if a Middle Earth elf lived today in Southern California, in Irvine to be more precise, what might her life look like? How would she, as a modern elf, celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? Some people like to ask, what would Jesus do? And that is a very good question. But on this program, when challenges in life arise, or as the wizard Gandalf puts it, questions, questions that need answering, we like to ask, what would Arwen do? Who was Arwen, you may be wondering? In J.R.R. Tolkien's Mythology of Middle-Earth, Arwen was an elf princess, the daughter of Elrond, a prince among elves, and lord of Rivendell, a magical place of healing lore and wisdom, perhaps not unlike the community here at UC Irvine. Arwen was also a beloved daughter of the universe, as are all the women of this fair celestial home called Earth, or an elvish Arda. I believe that Arwen understood the principle of noblesse oblige. With great privilege comes responsibility. She embodied the archetype of a true princess of the light through her courage, wisdom, beauty, her sense of humor, and her service to others. And she has been my mentor for many years now in my adventure of my life as an elf. In Tolkien and The Lord of the Rings, A Guide to Middle-Earth, Colin Durias wrote... In his invented mythology of Middle-earth, Tolkien intended that his elves were an extended metaphor of a key aspect of human nature. This, quote, elven quality in human life was a central preoccupation of Tolkien's. Elves like dwarves, hobbit, and the like partially represent human beings. In Tolkien's mythology, elves represent what is high and noble in humans, in particular they represent the arts in their highest form, work done in the image of God and his created world. As an elf, I believe this, quote, elven quality exists today in every living person and yearns for expression through gifts of creativity, nobility, and service to others. So again, we say, welcome. Alindali, elf friends and hobbit friends. Alin Salalamin Amentielvo, a star shines on the hour of our meeting. I am Tani Genuviel. And I am Milo Lonesdown at your service. And you are listening to What Would Arwen Do on <laughs> KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, streaming live at KUCI.org. You can contact us at askanelf at yahoo.com. That is A-S-K-A-N-E-L-F at yahoo.com. And you can find podcasts and information about this show and all the wonderful public affairs and other music programs of KUCI, the voice of the University of California at Irvine, at KUCITalk.org. And you can also get podcasts of What Would Arwen Do? on iTunes. Simply go to the iTunes store, search on, quote, Arwen, A-R-W-E-N, and you'll find our podcast there, which is a free download. So, Milo, my dear Hobbit friend, this is a very exciting day. Um, I am assuming we are going to have some movie news, but we are just about uh, as excited as we can be and still stay in our our seats today. Would you like to tell our listeners? So, we we may be a little bit... um, I wouldn't say distracted, but we're just so darn excited if about If we seem this a little evening. bit out of sorts, or <laughs> if we seem to be a little bit, uh, shall we say, discombobulated, if we seem to be a little bit uh, strange on today's program, it's because I'm holding in my hands two tickets, advanced two? sale, to the movie theaters at the district in Tustin, California, for tonight's 7 p.m. initial screening of The Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition in movie theaters around the nation. There's still time, perhaps, in your local area. If you're in the Pacific time zone or mountain or central time zone, it's not yet 7 p.m., and they're all starting at 7 p.m. local time, apparently. Yes. So avail yourself of the ability to go see the extended edition of The Fellowship of the Ring, one time only, one showing only, 
today the 14th. And I was on the website earlier, and it is showing in several places around Southern California. So for those of you who might be tuning in and live here, I, there's a theater in Huntington Beach where it's showing. There's one in um, some other place in Irvine. There's, I think there's one in Orange. It's very easy to look for tickets. You simply go to fathomevents.com. That's F-A-T-H-O-M-E-V-E-N-T-S.com, Fathom Events, and it's it's always been on the front page of that website for the last oh, two weeks, okay. but if not, you can search on the keyword fellowship and you'll find it. Yes, I'm always one of those uh, people that has a hard time thinking, you know, of putting it down into simple, what would be the simplest keyword? And so I typed in fellowship of the ring, extended version, Southern California, <laughs> and I found it. <laughs> right, right. So that's so, another way to go. Yes. but So you can get there, and there are still, t- you know, I think there are still tickets available, uh, you know, considering that it's playing in six or eight theaters right here in this general area. Just in Orange there's, County, there's, California. Yeah, there's probably some, some tickets available. But there, it's playing lots of places, probably San Diego and L.A. and across the nation. So it's very exciting. So we are... Uh, devoting our show today to highlighting and celebrating some of the aspects of this amazing movie, the first in the trilogy of The Lord of the Rings. And uh, this movie, this The Fellowship of the Ring, nominated for nine Academy Awards, won four Academy Awards, which I think, um, Dear Hobbit, wasn't that pretty unusual for a fantasy movie to be even nominated for Academy Awards, let alone winning Academy Awards? Yes, it's it's quite unusual for this kind of film to have garnered that many nominations. Nine nominations for a fantasy film, quite, quite, quite rare. And Howard Shore's music, oh a my ca- gosh. Academy Award winning original score, did win. Actually, I think it won all three uh, years, didn't it? I'm I, I know to it remember. Won, I know it won this year, and I know it won uh, Fellowship, I mean, uh, Return of the King. Well, I'm re- trying to remember if it won uh, on t- in um, I, second, for I Two Towers. I don't think it won for Two Towers, if oh. I remember. But I'm going to be doing the research for next week's show, because next week we will also be going to see the extended edition of the Two Towers one week from yes. today. And so that show, we will talk a lot about the Two Towers and its background, its Academy nominations. Super. And so I thought we'd um, play a little Hobbit music. Great. And uh, before we jump in uh, to some uh, readings, actually, from this wonderful movie guide that Brian Sibley put together. And this came out uh, in 2001. The larger one is the that large Gorgeous. movie guide right there, I believe, is a guide to all of the movies, whereas the small one is just for fellowship. The one, And we're going to be doing some right. readings about just some of the interesting things that went on, even with the how the, some of the cast ended up being in the movie. Um, certain people like Orlando um, auditioned for one part and was actually called back for a different part. And now, who can think of Legolas uh, without Orlando Bloom? It's just inconceivable. He's, he's so going to be back for The Hobbit. And he'll be back for The Hobbit. It has been confirmed. So I'm going to play a little bit of Hobbit music uh, to get us in in the mode for The Hobbit. And then then we will jump right into hearing uh, the latest movie news. Great. So... My gosh. And here we are. And we're so excited. That is so wonderful. In just about two years from now, we have the, the Hobbit movies coming up December 2012. That's right. And when you think about it, it's just a year and a half. I know. Just one year and a half. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited. In fact, um, I, I'm going to spill the beans a little bit about this because you're going to spill the beans hopefully about some movie things. But this showing of the Fellowship of the Ring that tonight. we are going to tonight, there was a little teaser on there saying that there was going to be um, a filmed interview with Peter Jackson uh, from the set of the new Hobbit movies. So 
Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to get to, to see what he has to say to welcome us to the showing of the uh, Fellowship of the Wing Extended Version. And of course, the reason why this is in theaters, Fellowship this week, mm-hmm. Two Towers next week, Return of the King on the 28th is because on Tuesday, June the 28th, is the official release date of the extended edition on Blu-ray. And that's what this is about, Elf Princess, oh, from a from a practical money making standpoint. I don't understand the concept of Blu-ray. I'm, you know, I just put DVDs in the thing, and is it? Um, but one of these days, I'll have a home theater that has all those special things. And it's different. Is, it so, turns so out. Is there going to be things on the Blu-ray editions that are not in the other versions? There <gasps> are going to be some additional features, oh, no! but the real benefit is with the Blu-ray edition, I mean, there's lots of little features on the Blu-ray media format, but the real advantage is full 1080p, as we say. Uh, that is 10 that's 1,080 lines of resolution, uh-huh. non-interlaced, and it's really the best resolution you can currently get for home video. And I've already taken a look on my Blu-ray player at Fellowship. This is when I first got the the original theatrical Blu-ray release three months ago, I think it was, ah. four months ago. And it really does look stunning. It looks oh. just fabulous. Oh, so so it allows people that aren't going to be fortunate like us to see it in the theater, <laughs> they can see the extended edition in very, very, very good circumstances. Great. Of course, 18 months from now, it's going to be 3D Hobbit. 3D Hobbit. Oh, my gosh. So do we have, in case you are just tuning in, this is What Would Arwen Do? I am Tani Chinuviel, my co-host, Milo Lomesdown. Hobbit and Elf. And boy, oh, boy, at your service. (laughs) So what news do we have? Well, there's so much to talk about. First of all, of course, tonight, the most important movie news (laughs) is Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring Extended Edition. The first regular projection of it that I'm aware of in movie theaters across the country, all 208 glorious minutes of the extended Mm. edition up on the big screen. You can go to fathomevents.com if you want to get tickets at the last minute. Uh, but there is news. Notes from Eladris, which is the blog by Sir Ian McKellen at McKellen.com. M-C-K-E-L-L-E-N.com. Oh, yes. You can look at his blog. And just after our last program, two weeks ago, uh, he wrote, The cat is out of the bag. The actor is named. The latest recruit to the Jackson troops is the superb Benedict Cumberbatch. Sherlock Holmes to Bilbo's Watson, Martin Freeman let it slip when he picked up his BAFTA award. Martin Freeman won the BAFTA for playing Dr. John Watson in the new British TV series of made-for-TV movies on Sherlock Holmes stories, but set in the 21st century in contemporary times. Mm -hmm. And Martin Freeman is just a great actor. Oh, my gosh. I can hardly wait to see him play Bilbo when Bilbo was young. In any case, Sir Ian continues, Martin told me he was chuffed about the prize. So was the entire crew back here in Wellington and about Benedict. Now, what can he be playing in The Hobbit? Philippa Boyens, who is one of the co-producers, one of the Mm co-writers, showed me a snippet of Benedict Cumberbatch's screen test played in close-up into the camera. It was electrifying vocally and facially. Yes, what can he be playing? I worked with his father, Timothy Cumberbatch, in a Shaw double bill in 1966. He was a dexterous and light comedian. More recently in Asylum, I worked with Mrs. Cumberbatch, Wanda Ventham, one of UK television's most popular stars. Now I get to work with their son, Benedict. Or do I? Depends, of course, on what he's playing. And so this raises the big question of what, in fact, Benedict Cumberbatch might be. Now, in looking at Benedict Cumberbatch, looking at him visually, looking at his face as as an architect or, or a type, as an icon in the cinema, I'm looking at his face and I'm saying, he looks like a face that could be transformed into the face of Smaug. And he certainly has a great voice. Now, the rumors have always been that the brilliant actor Leonard Nimoy mm. is... The rumors still are flying that Leonard mm. Nimoy will be the voice of Smaug. And he has a great voice. Right. But his voice is very well known around the world from all the Star Trek right. series and movies he's done. Yes. 
So I wouldn't be a bit surprised if motion capture technology is used on Benedict Cumberbatch the way it's used on Andy Serkis. Ah, For Gollum, that same facial motion capture used on Benedict Cumberbatch to get his face transformed into the face of the dragon Smaug in The Hobbit. I'm not surprised, but there's no hints. It's just Sir Ian McKellen saying, I wonder what he could be playing. And, of course, Sir Ian knows what he's playing because he saw the screen Ah, test, ah. right? He knows he's just not telling us. (laughs) So Andy Serkis did the the, uh, voice of Gollum, right? He did the voice of Gollum, which was somewhat processed. And, of course, he did the face of Gollum, which was heavily processed. But it was Andy Serkis' face ultimately that was the origin of those images well and he had to like go uh, like falling down all those rivers and brooks and streams and things like that too so yes yeah he very much acted the part even though there was a lot of animation the point is when we look at the quality of acting martin freeman is a fine fine actor based on his uh work as dr watson in the sherlock movies benedict cumberbatch plays sherlock holmes in those movies and i can tell you he is a fine actor with great vocal skill Sir Ian McKellen, Kate Blanchett. Yes. Uh, It's just, you know, the hits keep going on and on. And these are great actors. Sir Ian points out that the current Sydney Theatre Company production of Uncle Vanya stars Kate Blanchett as Yelena and Hugo Weaving as Astroff. Oh, wow. Can you imagine seeing Uncle Vanya with those two in those roles? My gosh. Wow. Uh, Okay, so another piece of news. This is even more significant. Peter Jackson revealed on his Facebook page a bit about the plot of The Hobbit. Now, you know the whole script and plot are totally under wraps. Every actor, every extra writes and signs their name to this heavy Mm -hmm. legal document with tons of penalties that they are not to reveal anything. Although, I think we might have a little bit of idea of what the plot might be about, considering that we have have the book. book. Right. But here's a bit that you don't know about. Quote, I'm not going to say just what and when, but I will confirm that both the White Council and Dahl Guldur will feature in the movies, (gasps) and not just in one scene either. (gasps) Just how to visualize it has been a challenge, but fortunately, Alan Lee and John Howe went crazy with ideas, and it should look pretty cool. Here is John Howe's vision of Dahl Guldur, which is Sauron's fortified tower in the forests of Mirkwood. Right. Is that amazing in sketch? In the forest of Mirthwood. Yes. Well, it's very interesting. Before you jump on to the next thing, because today as I was doing my wonderful research, which I always have so much fun doing, and I was, and I just kind of got lost today in, um, because I didn't, um, I actually was reading in from the Silmarillion at the end of the Silmarillion is the little segment called Of the Rings of Power, which tells the whole backstory of, you know, events more recently leading up to you know, Bilbo's adventure and the Lord, and where all these rings came from. And it was very interesting because um, it says, um, it was talking about Mithrandir, who was Gandalf, had come, and it was he that almost doubted the darkness in, it was he that most doubted the darkness in Mirkwood, because everybody was going like, what's this thing going on in Mirkwood? Um, and I was just thinking this morning about, how oh, this would be so cool if this was in the movie. So he, this is from Of the Rings of Power, it says, and... Uh, he it was that most doubted the darkness in Mirkwood, for though many deemed that it was wrought by the ring wraiths, he feared that it was indeed the first shadow of Sauron returning. And he went to Dol Guldur, and the sorcerer fled from him, and there was a watchful peace for a long time. But at length the shadow returned, and his power increased, and in that time it was first made the Council of the Wise that is called the White Council. Wow. So this is, you know, the backstory about that, and therein were Elrond and Galadriel and Círdan and other lords of the Eldar and with them were Mithrandir and Curinir which we know to be Gandalf and Saruman and Curinir that that was uh, Saruman the White was chosen to be their chief for he had most studied the devices of Sauron of old Galadriel indeed had wished that Mithrandir should be the head of the council so it might be interesting to see if they you know, even show part of that, of Galadriel's kind of misgivings about, but it says, and Saruman begrudged them that, for his pride and desire of mastery was grown great, but Mithrandir refused the office since he would have no ties and no allegiance save to those who sent him, and he would abide in no place nor be subject to any su- summons. 
Wow. So this is kind of tells you about why, how, what was happening and how the White Council first Wonderful. came about. And my little notes that I put is, um, you know, Arwen, you know, because, you know, we are like, what would Arwen do? Um, at this time, Arwen is around during this time. She's, you know, very likely staying with her grandmother Galadriel in Lothlorien. And uh, she's during this time she's traveling between Rivendell and Lothlorien. Who knows? But that maybe even Galadriel spoke to Arwen of her misgivings about um, Saruman being named the head of the White Council rather than um, I. There's that, there's that part in my heart. My dream and wish, Milo, my dear Hobbit, is that one of the cameos that I hope will be a surprise thing that we'll get to see in the movies will be a cameo of Liv Tyler as Arwen. She is so perfect in the role of yes. Arwen. Of course... And she was thousands of years old at the time. She was, I mean, at this at the time of The Hobbit, um, Aragorn was nine, but she was over 2,000 years old. Exactly right. And so from the standpoint of story continuity, there's absolutely no problem with Arwen being in story. Yeah. The only difficulty with your desire and wish, Elf Princess, is that all the blogs... All of the many people that are hoping for this and wanting this, there is no evidence that she has been cast. As a matter of fact, there's contrary evidence that she's going to be in the Hobbit movies. Mm. Just as uh, Sean Astin has said he won't be appearing as Sam in the Hobbit movies. Well, of course. Sam wouldn't have been born yet. Right. And so we have to ask, well, if Frodo is going to be there... Presumably, he'll be introducing the backstory. He'll be giving, you know, he'll be telling this as if he's telling it to a bunch of little hobbit children. Mm -hmm. And that will be the opening scene is Frodo telling the story of Bilbo from the beginning. And why couldn't Sam be outside shearing the hedge while Frodo's doing this inside, right? So, in any case, uh, there's. So, we will see what happens. um, Peter Jackson is always full of surprises. Two other pieces of news, one minor. Ang Lee, the Academy Award-winning director of brilliant film, perhaps one of the greatest films of the last 20 years, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm -hmm. What a brilliant masterpiece. Well, his release date has been pushed back. (laughs) When when the uh, when the movie um, his release date for what? His release date. He is, uh, you know, The Hobbit will be released. On December 14th, 2012, uh-huh. well, Ang Lee's new film was going to be released on that day. Well, when the production company heard about that, Ang Lee's production company decided to push his movie to avoid conflict with The Hobbit oh. next year. So that's just a little thing. The important thing is Stephen Fry, as Master of Lake Town, has been cast. And Stephen Fry is a great writer and a fine actor. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's been working for years with Peter Jackson on a remake of the World War II drama, The Dam Busters, uh-huh. which originally starred um, Michael Redgrave. Uh-huh. Fine, fine British film. But Stephen Fry says, quote, let's face it, Martin Freeman was born to play Bilbo in The Hobbit. He is also a broadcaster. He's going to play the mayor of Lake Town. And, quote, it doesn't involve putting hair on my feet, at least so far as I know, he told BBC Radio 5 Live. He told the BBC's Mark Kermode and Simon Mayo that he plays a corrupt, pompous official. Fry described the character as being, quote, somewhere between Mayor Quimby in The Simpsons and Adam West in Family Guy, end quote. <laughs> so there are other very humorous things, but we need to go to other stuff. We have so many wonderful things to cover, and we only have about 25 minutes left to do them. Oh, my gosh. Time is so <laughs> but flown. I love that we get to hear the movie updates. because Let's focus on the it, fellowship. But it's because it's, it, these movies change people's lives. I mean, all movies. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that these are the only movies, but movies are such a wonderful part of, the, of our culture. And some and movies the have the power to change people's Absolutely. lives. Some films do. And, and I think... And I think it's partly because there's a part of us as human beings that wants to be, that, that wants to expand and grow and be bigger than just our, you know, our little lives and our little things that we're concerned about sometimes. And so, um, and we all, and we can. Every one of us is the hero of our own story. We're either the victim of our story or we're the hero of our story. Right. And what a masterpiece we each weave about our lives. And so, the thing I love about these movies, and especially about. Uh, Middle Earth and the Lord of the Rings is that it holds such archetypal figures for us to look to for for fun and entertainment, but also for wisdom and guidance at times. 
That's so true. So um, I want us to read uh, some of the excerpts about um, the making, the insider from the Insider's Guide by Brian Sibley of the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring, the Insider's Guide. Great. And um, I have this wonderful CD that I found. We, of course, love to hear the professor reading wow. his own work. And this is a new CD that um, that has some things that are not on the CD uh, audio album that we have shared, the three or four CD set of the... It's a uh, four CD set of the audio archives. Yes, this is the Essential Tolkien, and it includes excerpts from The Hobbit and The Fellowship of the Ring, plus the poem, The Mirror of Galadriel. Read it, by the professor. Yes, and it says here on the back that... Um, and this audio is based on a tape that Tolkien made for, for his friends in August 1952. Wow. He had been working on The Lord of the Rings for more than 14 years by then. And but had, this would be three years before it was published in 1955. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, he had almost given up of ever seeing it in print. Um, but making this recording reassured him of his talent... And prompted him to send his manuscripts to a former pupil who had become a publisher. Wow. The result was one of the most popular and influential series of novels of the 20th century. This recording includes the poem, The Mirror of Galadriel, originally meant for inclusion in Book 2 of The Fellowship of the Ring. Wow. So this is not actually in the book. So first we're going to hear, though, um, because it doesn't actually have any um, little guide for what's on what track, so I did some work this morning. We're going to hear Track 5. This is the professor reading... Uh, from the Fellowship of the Ring, the Ring Verse, and the Road Goes Ever On. Excellent. So this again is from the Essential Tolkien, and this is Professor J.R.R. Tolkien. This is KUCI in Irvine. I cannot read the fiery letters in Frodo in a quavering voice. No, said Gandalf, but I can. Letters are Elvish, an ancient mode, the language that of Mordor, which I will not utter here. This in the common tongue is what he said, close enough. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them, one ring to bring them all, in the darkness bind them. There's only two lines of a verse long known in elven lore. Three rings for the elven kings under the sky, seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone, nine for mortal men doomed to die, one for the dark lord on his dark throne in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all, one ring to find them. One ring to bring them all, and in the darkness bind them in the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. The road goes ever on and on, down from the door which began. Now far ahead the road is gone, and I must follow it, if I can. Pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way, where many paths and errands meet. And whither there, I cannot say. Don't wow! I just love to hear J.R. Tolkien reading his work. He his has such voice a is so great, so great, yeah. so great. And apparently, for many years, people would just go and listen to him. I mean, students would listen to him read from Beowulf in mm-hmm. Old English, and just they said that he could turn a drab, ugly lecture room into <laughs> a mead hall. That's wonderful. So um, here we are. We're going to be seeing the Fellowship of the Ring this evening, extended aversion. So um, would you share? We've we've marked a few places in the the original Fellowship of the Ring um, Insider's Guide that came out in two thousand one. With uh, it probably came out just before the movie, actually, considering that the movie did not actually come out until December twenty first, two thousand one. Right. And this was. Um, published in 2001. Well, this is just fabulous. This, again, is from Brian Sibley that wrote the official movie guide. Mm -hmm. But there are a number of selections here. Uh, Chapter 1 of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Insider's Guide by Brian Sibley. Chapter 1, The Journey. It was going to be a long journey. The 17-year-old knew that he would be sitting on a train for 12 hours. He needed something to read, a book that was long enough to last the trip. He stuffed a large paperback of The Lord of the Rings into his bag. 
It was over a thousand pages long. That ought to do. The train pulled out of the station in New Zealand capital, Wellington, and started off on the 424-mile trip to Auckland, where the young man was going for a six-week training course. Opening his book, he began to read. And he did so, like millions of others of readers of that particular book, he was quickly caught up in the drama and excitement of the epic tale of Frodo Baggins the Hobbit and his quest to save the world of Middle-earth from the terrible forces of the Dark Lord Sauron. It was a good book to read on a journey because it was itself a story of a journey, a hazardous trek which takes its central characters from home and safety into unknown lands and terrible dangers. The train rattled on. The boy kept reading. Page after page, chapter after chapter, all filled with unforgettable adventures, thrills and terrors, heroes and monsters. Being crazy about movies and fascinated by the whole business of filmmaking, a thought kept going round in this 17-year-old boy's head. This book would make a great movie. <laughs> that boy was Peter Jackson. Oh, my gosh. Amazing. And uh, the rest is history, although there were just wonderful things that happened, you know, obviously through... Different had to come to fruition, but I, I think I marched. Uh, what was the next thing that I marked? Uh, Just from the the book. Okay. Um, I mean, there was there was. I mean, let me just read this this final sentence. Mm -hmm. uh, Peter Jackson recalls, "quote As a youngster, I just couldn't wait for somebody to film the Lord of the Rings because I really <laughs> wanted to see it. But as nobody did, I eventually decided I would have to make it myself." <laughs> Absolutely. And then, um, let me see that for just a second, because there is a part uh, that talks about the book, but then, um, and it says, um, oh, okay, so read here, this, this ties into what you just read. This is about this the director, Peter Jackson. Chapter three of the book by Brian Sidley is titled, The Director. There was the spatter of machine gun bullets, and the great ape roared in pain. Perched on top of the Empire State Building, high above New York, the angry beast lashed out at the attacking airplanes. One Friday night, nine-year-old Peter Jackson was sitting in front of the television in the family home in Wellington, New Zealand, watching the film King Kong. As the movie ended, with the monstrous ape falling hundreds of feet to his death, Peter was filled with excitement. It was, he now recalls, the first time that I felt the power of a movie to draw you out of the real world and take you places that you would never, ever go. Born on Halloween night, 1961, <laughs> he's 40 this year, he will be 40 in Halloween, <laughs> Peter Jackson was an only child with a lively imagination. He was particularly fond of fantasy comics, books, films, and television shows. But nothing made a greater impact on him than King Kong, with its story of a filmmaker traveling to a remote island, capturing a huge ape and taking him back to New York City. Quote, I was totally swallowed up by the tracking of Kong and his dramatic fights with the dinosaurs. I fell in love, not just with the movie, but with the way it pulled me into a fantastical world. End quote. King Kong was an old film. It had been made in black and white in 1933, just four years into the sound era. But as Peter watched it, he promised himself that one day he would make his own films. Quote, that was the night when I realized that what I really wanted to do was make movies that had the same effect on other people as that film had on me, end quote. And, of course, he would go on not only to make The yes. Lord of the Rings, but he would remake King Kong with tremendous surprising but effective casting choices. Yes. Pete, you know, Jack Black as the filmmaker and so forth. It's just tremendous good work. In fact, it says here, um, it talks a little bit about because originally when um, uh, he, he, made, he pitched, I guess, okay, here, Peter made several more films. Um, and, you know, four years of working every weekend, he finished the film, which was um, Bad Taste. <laughs> After four years of working every weekend, he finished the film. It was, says Peter, really only a home movie. But it, it enabled me to quit my job and become a full-time filmmaker. Peter made several more films, Meet the Feebles, Brain Dead, Heavenly Creatures, and The Frighteners, before starting work on a film project that he, had been, that he had been thinking of for almost 25 years, a remake of King Kong. So he actually began work on that before he ever got The Lord of the Rings. Right. A Hollywood, and this, I love this, a Hollywood studio gave the go-ahead for the project, scripts were written, and models were made, but before filming could begin, the studio canceled the movie and work was abandoned. A long-held dream had died, 
But Peter remembered another story that had caught his imagination, the book he had read on the train all those years ago, The Lord of the Rings. Wow, and as a result of that that imagination, I mean, when he was a little boy, he saw King Kong. Then as a 17-year-old teenager, he read The Lord of the Rings on a long train trip. And those two seminal influences, one, the mightiest, really, many people think it's the greatest novel of the 20th century, and the 20th century had a lot of great novels, <laughs> but many people have voted it the greatest novel of the 20th century, so there's this tremendous tale, this tr- really strong and long and beautifully created, beautifully crafted story by Tolkien, and then the very, very fine, even today, King Kong surprisingly holds up Fay Ray mm-hmm. as the girl is just oh, wonderful. Yeah. It's, it, it's one of those movies that just, I know, it just moves you, you know, the, I mean, the tremendous... The, the tragedy of it. The tragedy the, you know. of the great ape. Yes. And and of us, in a sense, of the commentary on, on us as humans, yes. thinking that these things are there for us to just go and conquer and be entertained by. That's so right. Many, many deep messages in that movie. Yes. Um, I would like for you to read a little bit, too, from Chapter 5, where it talks a little bit about the casting characters, some of the um, anecdotal stories, and then... Um, and then then hand it back to me and I'll read a little something. Okay. But this is, I think, is a wonderful thing that our listeners might enjoy about the, some <laughs> of the casting of Fellowship of the Ring. From Brian Sibley's wonderful little book, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring Insider's Guide, Chapter 5, Cast and Characters. The costume wasn't quite right. The hair and makeup would have to be changed, and there was the small matter of an American accent. But as Peter Jackson watched the video, he knew that he had found his Frodo. Elijah Wood had been asked to audition for the role of Frodo Baggins in The Lord of the Rings, but he wasn't really too keen on it. Of course, the actor wanted the part, but because he lived in the United States and Peter Jackson was in New Zealand, he knew he would have to audition for the director on a videotape. Although still not 20 years old, he was still a teenager in other words, Mm -hmm. Elijah had already appeared in lots of movies, including Flipper, Deep Impact, and he knew exactly what video auditions were like. He would be asked to stand in front of a camera in an office and read a few lines. This was simply not good enough for Elijah. He wanted to do something more. After all, he was going after the part of a lifetime. Elijah learned some of Frodo's speeches from the book, hired the sort of costume that he thought a hobbit might wear, and found a suitable countryside setting in the Hollywood Hills. Then, with the help of a friend who had a video camera, Elijah filmed a few short (laughs) scenes as Frodo. Quote, What I wanted was something that would convey my passion for the role and for the films. Something that said, this is me as a hobbit, end quote by Elijah Wood. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. He he got the role, and many of us loved Frodo. I mean, he just seemed so perfect in that role. He has such an expressive face. His eyes have so much expression in them. The, The range of emotions that Frodo invariably went through, you know, from, you know, getting, you know, his uncle bequeathing all of his things to him and then discovering he has this ring and what does he do with it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all yes. of the things. Um, another story here, it says, alongside Elijah Wood as Frodo Baggins, Peter Jackson cast another young American leading man, Sean Astin, as Frodo's faithful companion, Sam Ganji. And I just want to interject here, there were a couple of times that, where several of us who loved the movies really hoped that Sean would have gotten nominated for a supporting actor, actor uh, especially in uh, The Two Towers and The Return of the King. Amazing, amazing performances. Sean, who began making movies with the teen adventure film The Goodies, is fascinated by the characters of Sam and Frodo. Quote here from him. He says, Here are these innocent little big-footed people who are facing larger-than-life obstacles, except that I don't think the hobbits see themselves as being little until they are standing next to something that's daunting and intimidating. So we've tried to make them as real and human as possible. Describing the special relationship between Frodo and Sam, Sean adds, Sam loves Frodo and wants to protect him, and Frodo is extremely protective of Sam. They find themselves locked into this journey together, and they really don't need to talk about what they are to each other. They just are. And wow. one of, I mean, so many favorite scenes that I ha- have in Fellowship of the Ring, but, you know, one of them certainly at the end where Frodo, you know, is taking off, you know, says, I'm leaving and I'm going alone, and Sam yells, of course you are, and I'm going with you. 
Yes, of course <laughs> you are, to, and I'm coming with you. He tries to swim out into the river, and Frodo nearly drowns, and so Frodo has to save him. Yes, um, but such a wonderful, touching, touching scene. And and later, you know, Sam in turn saves Frodo right. in the Tower of the Orcs. And uh, oh, and I wanted to read this other part uh, for about Viggo Mortensen, uh, uh, for Viggo Mortensen who plays Aragorn. Uh, the deciding factor was his son, Henry. Uh, this from the movie guide. Vigo was offered the important role of Aragorn after filming had already begun in New Zealand with another actor in the part. Basically, says Vigo, I got a call asking if I wanted to go to New Zealand for 14 months to film The Lord of the Rings, and my first reaction was, no. <laughs> Vigo had heard of Tolkien's The Lord of the Rings and knew just how famous it was, but he hadn't read the book or seen the film scripts, which, as a little aside, is amazing when we consider how much... Vigo Mortensen threw himself into that role, sleeping in the ranger's clothes, learning the sword, did many, you know, the sword fighting um, sequences himself, the horseback riding. And he was so kingly, but we'll talk more about that in two weeks. Yes. <laughs> so it goes on to say, since there wasn't much time to prepare for what was obviously a major role, and he didn't like the thought of being away from his family for over a year, he decided to turn down the offer. But his son had other ideas. Henry said, I was crazy, recalls Vigo. He said, I had to do it, even if I was going to be gone a long time. So the next thing I knew, I was on the plane for New Zealand reading that enormous book, and a couple of days later, I was filming. Unbelievable. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful that there is a little cameo of his son in uh, The Two Towers, that scene at, at, um, uh, in... Um, the Deep, you know, in right. at Helm's Deep. Helm's yeah. Deep, yes. Yeah. So we are getting close to the end of our time. I wanted to play one more thing uh, for our listeners uh, from J.R. Tolkien, just um, this poem, uh, The Mirror of Galadriel. I hope I've gotten it queued up here because they don't have it as a separate track. Oh, so. no, that's Samsung. This is, oh, track 10. I'm hoping, let's see if I can... Let's see if it's track 10. Whatever it is, it's going yes. to be worth listening to. Yes, it, it is. I believe this may be also Gandalf. But here is, the, here is the professor, and this is from a poem, The Mirror of Galadriel, that Tolkien originally wanted included in the Fellowship of the Ring book. When evening in the Shire was grey, his footsteps on the hill were heard. Before the dawn he went away on journey long without a word. From Wilderven to western shore, from northern waste to southern hill, through dragon lair and hidden door and darkening woods he walked at will. With dwarf and hobbit elves and men, with mortal and immortal folk, with bird on bough and beast in den, in their own secret tongues he spoke. A deadly sword, a healing hand, a back that bent beneath its load, a trumpet voice, a burning brand, a weary pilgrim on the road. A lord of wisdom throned, he sat swift in anger, quick to laugh. An old man in a battered hat who leaned upon a thorny staff. He stood upon the bridge alone, and fire and shadow both defied. His staff was broken in the stone. In Khazad-dûm his wisdom died. In Dwemardin, in Lorien, seldom have walked the feet of men. Few mortal eyes have seen the light that lies there ever long and bright. Galadriel, Galadriel, clear is the water of your well. White are the stars in your white hand, and marred and stained is leaf and land in Dwimordine, in Lorien, more fair than thoughts of mortal men. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I can hardly wait. Just think, in a couple hours, we're going to be on the road that leads us to see Galadriel's mirror up on the big screen in yes. the extended edition. In the extended edition. And, I, I mean, I can hardly wait just to see the prologue. Y you know that I have the entire prologue memorized. I'm sure you do. But if <laughs> and, you, and you, know if you say a word, you're going to get no, an elbow in the, in the ribs, Elf Princess. But, you know, I, didn't even, <laughs> I wasn't even trying to, um, to memorize it. I just discovered one day, as I was going over the, the words... That I had actually, and I asked myself, I wonder if I know this whole thing, and I realized that I ha did actually know the entire program. And one of the reasons, as our longtime and listeners know, is. is because while The Hobbit 
has only seen the movie twice in the theater. <laughs> the Elf Princess has seen The Fellowship of the Rings. In the theater? In the theater. 28 times. 28 times. <laughs> and that was within about a month and a half. My and, I mean, that was I, I, didn't, I didn't even start seeing them until they got nominated at the Oscars. But anyway, that's another story. So I'm going to read, we have just a few minutes, I'm going to read just a tiny bit from the end of The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, The Insider's Guide by Brian Sibley. And then I want you to read the very last page of the official movie guide. Right. Uh, this The journey continues. Years and years of work and still Peter Jackson's film trilly, trilogy, The Lord of the Rings, isn't finished. So this was, you know, before the, it was all finished. Although at long last, the first of those films, The Fellowship of the, Ri- Fellowship of the Ring, has reached the world's movie screens. A lot of people are still busily working on the next two pictures, The Two Towers and The Return of the King. Uh, editing scenes and adding music and special effects. He says, these films, he says, are being made by fans of the book for fans of the book. As for people who haven't read The Lord of the Rings, I think that I think that in seeing the films, they will experience something of the excitement and magic that is to be found in Tolkien's book. That's what Peter Jackson said. Uh, It says, two years is a long time to wait if you want to know how the story ends. In the meantime, of course, you could do what the young Peter Jackson did many years ago. Pick up a copy of the original book and discover for yourself one of the most unusual and unforgettable tales ever told. And then from the uh, end of the book... Oh, my gosh. So I'm, I'm holding in my hands a book I've only seen in bookstores with big price tags on it. The Lord of the Rings official movie guide in hardcover, the original, you know, first printing, first edition by Brian Sibley, the official movie guide. The very last page of the text has the beautiful scene of a long-expected party. You don't see anyone there. You don't see any food on the tables. It's just a beautiful shot as night is falling with the lanterns lit, and it's just a beautiful, beautiful still from the movie. And we have these words from John Howe. Quote, One day Peter was giving some VIPs the grand tour. He showed his guests the hundreds of models, busts, and statuettes lined up on shelves. And he pointed out the thousands of sketches that covered the walls from floor to ceiling. All the while he was explaining about hobbits, about dwarves, about elves, about the Watcher in the Water, the Balrog, and the Ring Race. He recounted the history of Middle-earth in depth, and he described the different places and characters and encounters. Then he paused for a second, turned around with a big smile and said, quote, you know, this would make a great book. <laughs> I Thus love that. reported by the scenic designer John Howe, who gave us uh, earlier in the show, we uh, were talking about the picture of Dol Guldor that he's doing for The Hobbit. But in any case, so we're ready for an adventure. We're going to go on an adventure. Here we are off on our adventure. And next week, next week, listeners, we will be back to tell you about our adventure tonight. Yes. So thank you, all of you, our dear, dear friends, for listening in. And a special shout-out, hello to my friends listening from theonering.com. And uh, my friends from Canada. Yes. And all of you listening here locally, and thank you so much. And we are so excited. We... uh, uh, adventure awaits and so here we are off I will leave you with um, the last song that's in the extended version I mean the the complete recordings of the Fellowship of the Ring uh, the road goes there ever on featuring in dreams performed by Edward Ross oh my god and with that we will have to say Elin Salalumin Amentielvo a star shines on the hour of our meeting and until next week Namaria absolutely till then elf princess <laughs> and this uh, is KUCI Irvine and streaming live at KUCI.org KUCI the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth <laughs>